welcome to Focus in Sound, the podcast series from the Focus newsletter published by the Burroughs Welcome Fund. I'm your host, science writer Ernie Hood. On this edition of Focus in Sound, we meet a young investigator who is making significant contributions to our basic knowledge of cell signaling pathways, cell death mechanisms, innate immunity, infectious diseases, and autoimmune disorders. Dr. Maya Saleh of McGill University was named an investigator in the pathogenesis of infectious disease by the Burroughs Welcome Fund in 2009. Maya received her Ph.D. at McGill in 2001, served postdocs at Merck and the La Jolla Institute, and in 2005 returned to McGill to join the faculty. She is an associate professor in the departments of medicine and biochemistry and director of the Inflammation and Cancer Program. She is also an associate member in the Department of Microbiology and Immunology, an associate member of the Goodman Cancer Center, and a member of the Center for the Study of Host Resistance and the Division of Critical Care of the McGill University Health Center Research Institute. Maya Soleil, welcome to Focus in Sound. Thank you for having me. Maya, I'm sure our listeners could tell just from that introduction Uh, that your laboratory's research really touches a variety of different areas. Is there one central focus from which everything else emanates? Uh, Yes, absolutely. It seems that we are researching a variety of different areas, but uh, in fact, they're all interrelated, and that's what's fascinating for us. So we're investigating specifically immune-mediated inflammatory diseases, uh, including infectious diseases, inflammatory bowel disease, starting to look at metabolic diseases and cancer. And the common link between all of these is inflammation. So our interest at the cellular and molecular levels is to understand how the inflammatory response is triggered and executed. So this has directed our focus to studying how the host initially senses the presence of microbes, uh, both commensals and pathogenic, or that of stress, cellular transformation as in cancer or uh, metabolic perturbation. And as you know, this early detection is a function of specific receptors of our innate immune system, which is our first line of defense. Now, these receptors are termed pattern recognition receptors. They're highly conserved from plants to humans and have evolved to confer host resistance of case of infection, injury, or stress. So the way they function is that when they sense the presence of microbial motifs or endogenous danger signal, such as those produced in the cancer microenvironment or during metabolic stress, these receptors activate a plethora of effector mechanisms that initiate the inflammatory response. And there are a number of these uh, receptors in the innate immune system, different families, and a number of members per families. And the excitement in the field right now is to understand the specific role of each of these in health and disease. So in the last few years, my lab has studied a subfamily of these receptors known as NLRs or nod-like receptors, along with their associated inflammasomes. These NLRs are mutated or deregulated in multiple diseases like IBD, inflammatory bowel disease, uh, cancers, hereditary periodic fever syndromes, diabetes, Alzheimer's, and so on. And our goal is to understand how they operate in physiological and pathological conditions. Maya, your group recently published an important paper in Nature illuminating the coevolution of pathways involving apoptosis or programmed cell death 
and innate immunity. Those would seem to be very different or even opposing phenomena. Can you tell us more about what you've discovered? In this context, we've been particularly interested in understanding how the host innate immune system, in particular these microbial sensors, dialogue with the microbiota in the intestine. So it's now clear from our work and that of many other labs that NLRs are necessary to maintain intestinal homeostasis and immune tolerance towards these commensal microorganisms. And consequently, their deregulation is at the basis of these inflammatory bowel diseases like Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. In particular, we focused on two receptors that sense bacterial peptidoglycans specifically, namely NOD1 and NOD2, as these have been genetically linked to these inflammatory bowel disorders. And yet, although we know these two receptors are necessary in the intestine, we still lack information on how they function in the gut and how they translate the bacterial sensing signal to induction of homeostatic responses. So in this particular paper, we've decided to take a functional genomic approach to define the key molecules and pathways required for not function in intestinal epithelial cells following bacterial peptidoglycan sensing by these receptors. So our rationale was to refine the molecular portrait of not signaling, uh, first to understand the function of these receptors at the fundamental level, and second to identify therapeutic targets for IBD. So the approach we've used was to systemically, systematically silence every druggable gene in the genome and question which of these is needed to either stimulate or inhibit the inflammatory response following not activation by bacterial peptidoglycan. Now, one interesting facet that emerged from this work was the finding of an enrichment of apoptosis effector proteins in this innate immunity pathway. In other words, as you've mentioned, it appears that proteins that were thought to primarily function in the process of programmed cell death might have evolved additional vital functions uh, in innate immunity. So on the surface, these functions appear contradictory, but in the big scheme of host resistance, they're actually not. If you think about it, in primitive organisms, uh, cell death is the main host defense strategy against pathogenic infection, whereby an infected cell commits suicide to destroy the microorganism and prevent its spread to neighboring cells. In more complex organisms like ours, other innate immunity mechanisms, including the inflammatory process, were essentially grafted to this primitive cell death response. But of course, when these fail, the last resort remains cell death. And in fact, there are a multitude of parallels between the cell death machinery and the NLR pathways. Um, First, both are activated by molecules released from the mitochondria, which as you can imagine is reminiscent of an intracellular bacteria. Second, these NLR receptors are very similar structurally to the molecule that triggers apoptosis or the apoptosis activating factor. Uh, Thirdly, the inflammasome complex that forms when these NLRs are activated, again, resembles structurally the apoptosome complex. And finally, the proteases or the enzymes that are engaged engaged in both complexes, known as caspases, that are necessary to execute cell death or regulate inflammation, belong to the same family, thus in theory have evolved from the same ancestral gene. So these are actually complementary functions then? Uh, Yes, we think so. I understand from uh, what you said already, Maya, that this particular work 
may well have clinical implications as well, perhaps helping to identify new targets for therapy uh, in disorders uh, that you've mentioned, such as inflammatory bowel disease. How would that work? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, by knowing the key players that, that direct the NLR responses, one could design now therapeutics to target these proteins in pathological conditions. So in, in this Nature paper, we've characterized specifically one such molecule uh, known as BID, and we know exactly which domain is involved in interaction with the NLRs, and we know that without this molecule, the NLRs are unable to transduce uh, inflammatory signaling. So one can now design therapeutic approaches around targeting the crosstalk between this bit protein and the NLR receptors. So is that a direction that you will continue to pursue, you and your group, or or would that development of uh, new therapies fall to others? No, we, we're, of course, interested in that, and we're now refining uh, the region in the bid molecule that can uh, interfere with the NOT function. And uh, we have at McGill actually programs that would allow us to translate our uh, basic science finding further into the clinic. Terrific. Well, we will certainly look forward to your results from that work. Maya, you've already touched on this, but I'd like to get you to elaborate just a little bit. You and your colleagues have also made great strides in characterizing what's going on in the gut in terms of innate immunity, which you've already touched on briefly. As we've learned so much recently about the role of the gut microbiota, obviously the gut epithelial cells have a way to recognize the benign or so-called commensal microorganisms that colonize the gut while also being able to sense and attack pathological microbes that might invade. I'm sure that's a very simplistic explanation, but please tell us about the insights you've provided into both gut homeostasis and disease-causing dysfunctions in this very complex but vital biological system. Last year, we've published a report in the journal Immunity examining the role of the inflammasome in intestinal homeostasis, colitis, and colitis-associated colorectal cancer. So as I mentioned, when these NLR uh, receptors are activated, they assemble a large complex referred to as the inflammasome that recruits and activates this protease uh, enzyme named caspase-1. Now, this enzyme is inflammatory. It processes some dormant cytokines, such as interleukin-1-beta and interleukin-18, into their active forms and enables their release from the cell. So we've asked a simple question of whether the inflammasome, this inflammatory entity, contributes to the inflammatory pathology that occurs in IBD and colorectal cancer, or whether it's, on the contrary, protective. And what we found was that the latter is correct. So it seems that the crosstalk between the microbiota and the inflammasome in intestinal epithelial cells is necessary to induce a physiological level of inflammation, which we've characterized to be specifically mediated by the cytokine, the inflammasome-dependent cytokine interleukin-18. And that is needed first to maintain the epithelial barrier intact um, or to induce its repair following either a physical, chemical, or microbial insult. Second, to maintain a symbiotic microbial ecology. Indeed, what we've shown is that a defect in inflammasome signaling and lack of the steady state 
production uh, of interleukin-18 leads to colitis and colitis-associated colorectal cancer. And we were able to reverse this pathology through the administration of interleukin-18 to colitic animals. And others have shown that defects in inflammasome signaling also lead to dysbiotic expansion of colitogenic bacteria in the gut that further fuels the vicious cycle of chronic inflammation, such as what occurs in IBD. So this work argues against full inhibition of cascase 1 or total neutralization of interleukin-18 as therapeutic approaches in IBD. I see. Well, I'm, I'm sure you'll be continuing to, uh, to develop that work as well. The work you do, uh, Maya, seems to be really kind of unique in that it is on a very basic level uh, in terms of gaining new biological knowledge, but at the same time it also seems to have great translational potential. Uh, is, is that a part of your approach, to always keep that in mind? Yeah, indeed. I believe that uh, my training path has greatly contributed to this translational approach of uh, my research. So I'm a basic scientist who has trained in both the academia and in the industry, and, and that's part of, uh, I, I would say, a rare group of individuals that strive to constantly translate basic scientific discoveries into potential therapeutic treatments. And academically, I have a diversified background in genetics, biochemistry, and immunology, which I think is an asset to perceiving uh, complex disease mechanisms and uh, tackling uh, relevant research questions. Well, it must, must keep you uh, very engaged uh, on a daily basis, I imagine. Absolutely, yeah. Well, Maya, how did you happen to pursue this particular uh, type of research? We were talking about this translational aspect. Uh, I, I always had an attraction towards uh, interacting with patients and clinical research. So during my master's studies at the American University of Beirut, my work focused on the genetic basis of beta thalassemia, which is a severe anemia causing disorder endemic to the Mediterranean region. So at the time, I identified the spectrum of the beta thalassemia mutations in Lebanon, and this had a direct impact on the development of the first prenatal screening and counseling facility in the country. And then from there, I moved to my doctoral studies at McGill, where I investigated embryonic development, specifically biochemical events that switch on or off decisive uh, transcriptional program required for embryogenesis. So all this is very far from what I'm doing right now. However, during my postdoc, I joined uh, the laboratory of Dr. Donald Nicholson at Merck, first in Montreal, then in San Diego. And I think this unique training experience in the industry contributed to this translational approach of my research. So my work at Merck focused on understanding the biology of these uh, enzymes that we've talked about, the caspases. However, first the focus was on understanding their role in cell death and uh, neurodegenerative diseases. Then in 2004, I have cloned a new caspase gene, termed caspase 12, and have identified a mutation in this gene that confines its expression to the African population and African descendants, but not to other ethnicities in the human population. In addition, we've demonstrated that African-American individuals that expressed caspase 12 were predisposed to infection and that this caspase 12 allele was associated with severe sepsis in, in the clinic. 
And so this discovery was published in uh, Nature in 2004 and led me to embark on a second postdoctoral fellowship now in the laboratory of Dr. Douglas Green, then at the La Jolla Institute of Allergy and Immunology, to uh, dissect the mechanism by which this protein impacted inflammation and the, the, the innate immune response. My work in Doug's lab, which I completed as an independent PI at McGill, resulted in a second publication also in Nature in 2006, where we've characterized the mechanism by which caspase 12 inhibited the generation of an accessory inflammatory response during infection, and then identified that at the molecular level, the way this protein function is by antagonizing or acting as an inhibitor to the inflammasome complex that we've discussed. Our work was among the first to emphasize the key role of the inflammasome in host defense during bacterial infection and sepsis. And this has then directed our efforts to further contribute to this emerging field of NLR-mediated innate immunity. Well, you, you've already made some really significant contributions and had some very important publications, as you've uh, shared with us. And uh, congratulations for all that. So uh, where is your research headed from here? What are the burning questions that uh, remain to be answered? Yeah, so of course the, the burning questions now are first to understand whether these innate immunity receptors have distinct or overlapping functions in different physiological or pathological contexts and to understand what agonists they recognize both during infection but also in sterile inflammatory diseases such as uh, in metabolic diseases or cancer. And then uh, to understand their predominant effector mechanisms, uh, how do they function following sensing of either the danger signals produced in sterile conditions or uh, during infection, and this would provide um, therapeutic opportunities as, as we, we've discussed. But we were also very interested in understanding the role of the microbiota and the sensing of the microbiota by these receptors, not only in the intestine, but also in relatively sterile tissues such as the lungs or in the mammary gland and understand their contribution to diseases at these sites. Terrific. Well, it sounds like you have plenty to keep you busy for years to come. <laughs> Indeed. Well, Maya, it's been a great pleasure for us to get to know you and your work, which is shedding so much light on basic cellular mechanisms while illuminating a path toward improved treatments and outcomes. We wish you the best of luck for continued success and thanks so much for joining us today on Focus in Sound. Thank you for having me. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this edition of the Focus in Sound podcast. Until next time, this is Ernie Hood. Thanks for listening. <laughs>